of January. I'm Randy Curay coming at you live via Facebook. Hope you are doing well and keeping safe. On today's episode, Toronto FC has a new sheriff in town, along with Bob Bradley, signing top international striker Lorenzo Insigne. What will Tim Hortons Field look like when Canada's men's national team take on the U.S. uh, with Canada facing some strict crowd restrictions, albeit in uh, indoor facilities in rapid fire uh, known as big deal no big deal Becky Hammond is heading to the bright lights of Vegas for the N- uh, WNBA aces and thumbs down in a literal sense to uh, from Nick's forward Julius Randall our top story is some significant uh, storylines and for the most part having to do with uh, some star athletes and their stances regarding COVID-19 Here to join me, the voice of the main supporter group for Toronto FC from the Red Patch Boys podcast, Ben McClellan joins me. Ben, how are you? Doing well. Appreciate you. uh, Appreciate having me back. I guess that means I passed the first time. Oh, you passed with flying colors and uh, always uh, (laughs) earning uh, 100% is contributor to this podcast, Tony and Tony. Tony, how are you? I'm good. You made me so nervous. I dropped my pen. Oh. Uh, I'm good. How are you? I'm surprised I'm back on. I'm surprised I'm back on the podcast. Yeah, nah, nah, no, no. I talk. Yeah, are you kidding? No, 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 no. Uh, guys, uh, you know, uh, thank you so much for uh, joining me. And uh, hey, uh, we had uh, decided to uh, get together for a couple of weeks and uh, thought we were going to lead with uh, one angle. But uh, these days, uh, you know, uh, who can uh, get away from sports without talking about uh, the coronavirus and, uh, everything that uh, comes with it Um, you know seeing star athletes guys uh, getting into uh, personal or legal trouble is not really uncommon but uh, such in life in 2022 uh, coronavirus has always uh, bringing a dark cloud Uh, you know uh, lately uh, some uh, star athletes in various sports uh, has uh, gotten into some hot water, whether it is Antonio Brown from the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you think of Evander Kane from the San Jose Sharks, and the ongoing saga that is happening with uh, tennis legend Novak Djokovic. Uh, uh, You know, might as well start with Evander Kane first. And, uh, you know, Kane is a guy who has uh, been unceremoniously kicked out of uh, now three teams, of course, uh, from Winnipeg to Buffalo, and now just recently with San Jose. Um, th- there seems to be a number of teams who are interested still in Kane's services. Uh, you know, uh, with uh, uh, his uh, apparent uh, forging of a uh, vaccination status card uh, as well. Uh, ben, I'd uh, love to start with uh, you. If you were a, uh, a general manager of an NHL team, 
would you take a flyer on a guy like Evander Kane? Uh, a flyer, yes. You know, I, I certainly don't see the where you can go wrong in terms of at least starting him off with your AHL affiliate, much like the Bruins did with Tuka Rask. Obviously, two different scenarios between Rask and Kane. Um, there's certainly no hurt in that. However, in terms of going and, and throwing the bag at him uh, right away and, and expecting him to, to pick up big minutes with an NHL team right off the bat, probably not. But I certainly don't see how it could hurt to at least, uh, you know, maybe put him in the AHL for a little bit and then maybe uh, give him a small role with an NHL club. But uh, the skills certainly there for, for Evander Kane as a player. It's just all the other stuff off the ice. You know, obviously the three of us weren't uh, in the uh, Winnipeg Jets locker room, especially uh, when uh, the troubles with Kane uh, first started. Uh, apparently it just got to the point where uh, his then teammates through his, uh, what I'm assuming is a, an expensive suit uh, in the shower. And uh, if that was one way of telling him to get lost, I mean, I don't know of a better way to do so. Uh, you know, Tony, uh, one uh, team apparently who is uh, interested in Kane services is the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, their GM, Ken Holland, uh, said the following when the situation doesn't work out somewhere else uh, to give someone an opportunity, do I believe in it? And Holland said, uh, yes. Uh, do you agree with Holland? I guess more so specifically in uh, with regards to Evander Kane, because it's not so much that he's in a, he's uh, on a second chance now. Right. I think it's, uh, I think he's at about chance number eight, to be honest with you. I, <laughs> me personally, I wouldn't do it now. Kenny Holland who knows? He might not want to be doing it, but maybe the owners in one year are saying, let's take a flyer because we're struggling right now. We've had a month of absolute putrid hockey. We're losing. We're, I think we're pretty much out of a playoff spot. It could be the star player in the other year saying, you know, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Um, I would hope my team doesn't take a flyer on him because I think accountability has to come in play eventually when it comes to these guys, right? It can't be just about skill. Uh, what, what is he doing to learn uh, from his mistakes? And to me, it's clearly nothing. And skill has taken him all the way here. He's been paid very well. But for me, it's not a risk worth taking anymore. I think, I think what Evander Kane needs is, is, is some kind of evaluation. And I don't know if it's a mental one or if it's an accountability course, if, the, if those things like exist. But that, that's the route I would take because I think you're just – you're enabling his behavior again. If you, if you end up bringing him back, what has he learned? Uh, that's four franchises now that he has, Oh, sorry, three franchises now that he has left unceremoniously on his, you know, his fault. Um, and, and they've, they've all paid him handsomely too. Right. I mean, they've all paid him really good money to, for what, you know, and it's not like he's impacted any of the success on the ice too. It's a, like, is there any playoff success with Evander Kane on your hockey team? Um, you know, I, I would pray that the Pittsburgh Penguins wouldn't even think about doing something like that. Well, 
if we're if we're talking playoff success with Evander Kane on your hockey team, as a Buffalo Sabres fan, I can confirm there's none there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, uh, uh, as a uh, Leaf fan, well, I guess it's nice to have uh, three different guys with uh, three different uh, affiliations to uh, which team yeah. you support. But uh, yeah, I honestly thought. I mean, you take a look at if I was to. Uh, mention Evander Kane and an Instagram post. I, I think uh, the three of us know what, what exactly I'm talking about. Uh, that uh, infamous quote unquote post of him in Vegas with a stack of dollar bills. And honestly, for a guy who does like to see freedom of expression, I didn't think it was a big deal. Uh, you know, that said, uh, you know, it, it appears that he has uh, domestic issues. It appears that uh, he lied about his vaccination status, you know, uh, Three teams can't be wrong about, uh, you know, this guy's character or lack thereof. But, you know, Ben, I, I think about uh, I think about a guy like Nazem Kadri, who had uh, apparently he had uh, some difficulties as well adjusting to uh, public life or whatever the situation is. And now he's just flourishing with uh, the avalanche. Uh is it possible that he could actually uh, get knocked some sense? And is it possible that Evander Kane could be uh, a valued commodity with whatever team, which whoever team uh, he signs for? Yeah, I mean, it's real tough just because like Tony mentioned, we're on, you know, what chance at this point? Um it kind of seems like everywhere he's gone, it maybe starts off okay. Uh, but the further in his tenure he gets with whatever club, it it, it kind of slides downhill. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if it's if you can knock sense into him at this point in his career, right? Like the 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 battles, you know, towards its end, probably uh, the, the challenges have been faced and 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 things have certainly gone sideways for him. I mean, if you're comparing it to Kadri, you know, I don't think it was ever as severe as, as what Kane's going through. You know, you had his wife go to her, her Instagram to discuss, you know, what might be happening in that relationship. And then you had the bankruptcy thing. You had the scandal in Vegas during the playoffs, you know, it's just problem after problem. It seems so. I don't know if you can exactly uh, a, a guy in that point in his career. I'm not sure you can exactly just go and knock sense into him. And, and uh, Kadri was one. Sorry, Kadri was like one alleged incident, yeah. right? I mean, something mm-hmm. that was, you know, you know, one of some of those back channel stuff that you hear, but nothing that ever came out for confirmed. Uh, but you could, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to say this, and then I'm instantly going to be laughed at. But you can rely on Nazem Kadri, right? Um, <laughs> you can be sure that he's going to be there. I know, I know he made a couple of mistakes during uh, Leaf playoff runs, but you know, you can't compare the two. You know, you can rely on Nazem Kadri to be there for you and compete and give everything he's got for the team, you know, despite, you know, despite the fact that he, uh, he had a couple of brain farts and obviously. We don't want to go back there, Leaf fans. No, uh, and uh, on behalf of Leafs Nation, uh, Tony, thank you so much. But uh, you know, I, the the fact of the matter <laughs> is, is that. But I would uh, I would take him on my 
I would take him on my team anytime. I wouldn't take Vander Kane. Well, I mean, the uh, truth of the matter is, is that uh, Evander Kane is not a spring chicken. If I'm not mistaken, he's got to be 30 in his early 30s. Still, I think he's 29, 30. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he's not a spring chicken. It's not like like he's been playing a lot. Well, yeah. (laughs) He hasn't been playing a lot the last couple of years. Yeah, exactly right. But I mean, like, uh, you know, you would, if, if he doesn't get it, uh, especially during this time where a lot of people uh, in the sports world or just in life, uh, just uh, people in general, uh, if they haven't taken the last 20 months to uh, reflect, now it's 22 months of uh, self-reflection, then you, you got to wonder if uh, he is uh, going to uh, understand the, the the course of his actions. And uh, speaking of which, uh, you got to talk about Antonio Brown. And uh, here's a guy who has, uh, re- I mean, you, you want to talk about how uh, Kane uh, and his departures with his teams and, uh, I mean, uh, Brown's, uh, uh, the way Brown left uh, with Tampa, uh, you could say it was epic proportions. Uh, you know, he released a statement, uh, Antonio Brown did, uh, um uh, you know, talking about his uh, side of the story, um, you know, to take a step back uh, first, uh, Tony, were you surprised that Tampa took a chance on Antonio Brown in the first place? Uh, no, I'm not surprised because of the Tom Brady factor, right? Tom, Tom Brady took the chance to bring him in uh, to New England uh, the difference between New England and Tampa Bay is that, you know, uh, Tom didn't run the show there. So one one mistake that Antonio Brown made, Bill Belichick sent him packing, right? Um, but Tom Brady pretty much runs the show, and you can tell he does. And he, he basically cut his coach's nuts off by bringing Antonio Brown in and giving him a chance again after the, vac- the vaccine uh, passport uh, the fake vaccine passport thing that, that, that happened with Antonio Brown as well. So I'm not surprised because just like Evander Kane, Randy, uh, and you know, talent prevails. If you have the talent, you're going to get chances. Right. Um, And, and that's the same case. So I'm not surprised at all. And, And Tom Brady should take some of the blame, you know, being a bit of an enabler because there's another guy who has some serious issues that he needs to work through that he probably will never get the chance to because he just keeps getting, you know, uh, a pass. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, Tony uh, touched on it, Ben, and uh, really as, uh, you know, people are reacting more to Antonio Brown and his actions and the history that he had, you know, one thing that came to my mind is where are the leagues uh, that employ these players, these players who do have uh, uh what appears to be obvious, some uh, very uh, troubled, uh, you know, cognitive issues or whatever the case is. Uh, I really haven't heard a lot from what the league should be doing with regards to Antonio Brown, but, you know, you could think about uh, players who have uh, brain injuries and the like. Uh, Have you thought about uh, the league's perspective in uh, this whole matter? Should they be doing something with regards to, I guess Antonio Brown to start. Yeah, it's, I mean, as soon as I saw the incident happen and and everything unfold, uh, I immediately just went to thinking, you know, he's 
mentally, he's probably, I don't want to use the term CTE, but, you know, it's hard to deny it. it. You can go back a couple of years when he was still with the Steelers and some of those those games with the Bengals and Vontez Perfect, some of the hits he took from Vontez Perfect and whatnot, like a couple of them, it's kind of like just since that happened, it's all gone downhill from him. Um, in terms of the league, it's... I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of gets the Kaepernick treatment, you know, gets blackballed by GMs, owners, whatever it may be. Uh, Obviously different reasons. Um, I think more so because what Antonio Brown did almost kind of showed up, you know, the Bucks and in the NFL as a whole, just by leaving the game like that. Um what the league does to approach it's going to be interesting to see, but I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I still think Brown has some, some value to teams in terms of going onto a roster and being able to contribute for a little bit, but you just don't know if you can rely on him. And, and to this point in his career, it almost seems like it's mostly been about himself. I mean, uh, Tony, uh, I guess to uh, put a cap on uh, Antonio Brown, the fact of the matter is, is that, uh, you know, he does have some erratic behavior, such as uh, a number of, uh, well, NFL players. Uh, I mean, hey, you could even uh, tie it into hockey as well. Uh, you know, I don't know if you saw a feature about you being a uh, uh, Penguins fan. Uh, there was a feature on Kevin Stevens of him being homeless in uh, uh, Northwestern Ontario there. Um, I think I that's Joe. I think that was Joe Murphy. Kevin Joe Stevens Murphy. Excuse me. A, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's Joe Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, um, uh, I, I don't. Sorry. No, no, no. I, I was wondering. Uh, you know, uh, it, with regards to Antonio Brown, and uh, you know, uh, you want to tie in Junior Seau, you want to tie in Mike Webster. I mean, obviously Antonio Brown had, hadn't got to that point yet. Uh, if there is anything to, um, uh, uh, with regards to uh, any sort of brain injury, but is it possible that? his behavior could be because of the sport that he plays? Uh, no, no. Well, look, I, I'm not going to deny head injuries, obviously, but first of all, CTE is not something we can prove until of the player, the person is, of is deceased. Um, uh, and and I'm sure there's something mm-hmm. there, right? But it doesn't excuse him. He's been an asshole pretty much his whole life. That's the bottom line. I mean, he's been an asshole from there's a reason why he wasn't at a frontline college, you know, one of the top colleges that he came, you know, he had to come from the back door. He wasn't a high draft pick every step of the way it had to do with his attitude. Now we, you can dive deep into his family background, his, 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 you know, what he grew up in, the environment he grew up in, you can trace it back to that. Um, we're not going to get into a, the psychology of that. He, the bottom line is, is that he's, he's an asshole. And, and you even saw the way he talked about Tom Brady in a podcast. You know, he's, you know, here's a guy who vouched for him, stuck his neck out on the line for him. And there he is on a podcast like two days later talking smack about him, right? Saying, you know, he's not my friend. Because, you know, Gronk is getting three million. I'm, no, I'm only getting one with incentives, right? Two hours later, he's got a rap song out uh, after, 
he jumps in an Uber and and he's at a new at Brooklyn Nets game. Nets game. I don't. Yeah. I have got. I've got zero sympathy for Antonio Brown. Right. He he's lucky to where he's gotten to in his life because of his talent. Certainly not because of personality or the person he is. He's just not a good person. Right. I don't think another team will take a chance on him. Right. You might see Colin Kaepernick in the league before you see Antonio Brown. I won't hold my breath there either. You know what? There is something. And uh, I think Ben uh, alluded to it that I would not be surprised if Antonio Brown resurfaces with another team. I mean, uh, what it's been, uh, I don't see his fourth team now. You don't, you don't see it. I don't see it. No, No. No, I think, I think that was his swan song. I think he knows it too. I'm just thinking if somebody's desperate enough, they really think they can make a run at the chip, then maybe. But, you know, who knows? Who yeah. knows? If only we were, if only we were owners and GMs. <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, finally, guys, uh, with regards to uh, the bizarro world that is sports in, uh, during uh, COVID, uh, you have to uh, really take uh, to notice of what's happening on the other side of the world. And, uh, number one uh, men's player Novak Djokovic is, uh, I guess, uh, still waiting to uh, find out if he is able to play in the Australian Open. Uh, his uh, vaccination status uh, has been known. He is uh, not uh, of a uh, proponent of the vaccine. Uh, he's made that quite clear and uh, still managed to uh, find his way to Australia. Uh, there has uh, he did spend some time in a uh, government uh, isolation facility uh, and then uh, was given uh, 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 permission to, uh, to leave, albeit under uh, some restrictions, he's able to train. Uh, apparent, a report said that uh, Djokovic lied about his test certificate, maybe facing jail time because he traveled while he was diagnosed with COVID. Um, Tony, uh, where do you think uh, this uh, will end up? I mean, do you think in the end Djokovic is going to play? Because uh, if uh, he does win this uh, Australian Open, he will have, I believe, the most majors in uh, tennis history? Uh, Yes, I believe so. If not tied, but I think he's there for sure. You know what? I would have guessed that he's fine after the court's went against uh, the Australian government's ruling, but it seems like the Australian Australian government is, is helping on making sure that he doesn't play. So I'm, I'm 50, 50 there. Um, that, that's a tough move um, for the Australian government, but I mean, they have these rules, the rules are in place. Uh, you could have a totally different discussion on how stupid the rules are, uh, but he's got to, you know, abide by them, but he does have a medical exemption. And I think the whole visa thing was just, uh, just a bullshit way to to make his life miserable because yeah you know they look at him they look at him as you know here's this elite he's coming into a country that we've tried desperately to lock down for the last two years and now you know just think about it the guy's coming to do his job right and he's being I'm not saying Novak Djokovic is a victim I don't feel sorry for him you know he did make some mistakes but at the end of the day it's 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 about the rules and the rules are dumb. <laughs> and Randy, you and I have had many conversations about COVID uh, through messaging and everything that's been going on with it the last couple of years in terms of 
you know, laws, restrictions, mandates, all that stuff, uh, you know, just, just radically crazy rules that, that get set in place like this. And this is what happens. I mean, that's why other leagues have adjusted their protocols because they realized mid form that, okay, this is too much. This is overreach. We got to make adjustments here. Right. Um, th- this is absolutely at, at this point to me, it's 50, 50. There's a good chance he will be sent out of the country. Um, I, it, it feels like the Australian government really, really wants to dig their heels in here. Well, and uh, Ben, I don't know if you have uh, anything else to add, but uh, apparently Australia did go it's- through a really tough time and, uh, you know, I'm not really uh, sure what your thoughts are with regards to, uh, you know, uh, uh, physical distancing. And uh, I mean, if you want to compare it to Canada versus USA, uh, you know, it seems that Australia has uh, a lot more stringent rules, uh, especially compared to the Americans. But uh, do you think Djokovic is going to uh, find himself uh, in Melbourne uh, playing, uh, defending his uh, Australian Open title? It's, it's, it's hard to even put a percentage to, I mean, I'd probably have to say the same as Tony, probably about 50, 50. It's just it's this, the, the entire story and saga of this is just so bonkers. Like two years ago, who would have <laughs> thought we'd be talking about this, right? Like, Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, the rules as, as dumb as they are, it, it is what it is. Right. And, it's tough. You know, we see, we talk about it here, how they're silly and, and you can find ways around certain things, but you know, and, and there's other things where it's like, well, how does that make any sense? It's the rules are there. And I guess it's, it's partially up to Novak to have to know that. Right. And obviously Novak made a few mistakes, but you know, at the same time, these guys are coming over to do their job. Like Tony said, and um, <laughs> it's the whole, the whole saga is just nuts though. <laughs> It's it's so hard. Like if, if you're talking to a non sports fan or somebody who just came out from a rock after after two years or something, and, and you're trying to explain this to them, they would just, you know, God only knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm you know, there's um. Sorry, I just want to say, like, guys like Novak Djokovic, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Cole Beasley for the Buffalo Bills, Jonathan Isaac, uh, the Orlando Magic player, who's I don't know if you ever listened to this kid talk. He's such a brilliant young kid and he makes so much sense. And these people get, these guys get so ostracized. They get mm-hmm. so, they get so beat up on. And I think they're the bravest of, of um, the lot because I don't think any of them have been insensitive in the way they've, you know, stressed their feelings, their beliefs. I think all of them have come with some sort of common sense um, research, their own education, but yet, you know, you go through Twitter and it's amazing. You know, I hope Jerkovic gets thrown out and never plays tennis again and blah, blah, blah. And this and that he's a super spreader. He's a killer. That's what, that's what's bonkers about it is just Mm -hmm. everybody is just, they love to pile on these people because what they have their own thoughts. Like it's, it's nuts. It's nuts well, to me. Uh, so uh, I guess uh, uh, I'm a, a little bit different in the sense that, uh, okay, yeah, uh, you know, maybe they have some guts in uh, expressing their feelings. And, uh, but I mean, you know, guts doesn't equal smarts, in my opinion. Now, do I think that uh, these restrictions, especially the ones that we have uh, now, are 
justified and are they correct? That's another story. But when uh, you have someone like Aaron Rodgers, who is, uh, you know, consulting with a podcaster like Joe Rogan, uh, which is what he had uh, mentioned there, uh, that to me doesn't uh, make a heck of a lot of sense. Like, for example, I had a uh, yeah, conversation with somebody, you... but uh, hang tight. Like I had a conversation with somebody Sorry. who uh, said that uh, they followed uh, this one doctor but then the doctor was, and the first uh, Google search, albeit Google search, uh, led me to this uh, doctor being identified as a um, missing, uh, who is spreading misinformation regarding COVID. Now, what somebody's interpretation of misin uh, misinforming uh, the public, that is, in, uh, unfortunately, that's a debate all, all to itself. But to voice an opinion on something like uh whether it be covid whether it be social issues and so on like you have to be really bang on in my opinion and the numbers are what they are it seems that unvaccinated people are finding themselves in the icu more than vaccinated people doesn't mean that if you're double vaxxed i got my booster doesn't mean i'm not going to be i'm not going to uh I can't find myself in the hospital. Potentially I could be, but the numbers are what they are. And I, I, I think that when it comes to- uh, What numbers uh, are those? Well, uh, the numbers of- Like uh, what numbers are those? What do you mean? So, like, yeah, so uh, like- uh, I think, like I think unvaccinated, he's referring to like unvaccinated. unvaccinated. Yeah. Unvaccinated uh, it's, it's, to the ICU. I mean, you're looking at straight up numbers- What's the story behind these people in the ICU? I mean, the CDC just came out with 75% of those who passed away or those who end up in the ICU or whatever have at least four comorbidities to them. Pretty sure Novak Djokovic is good. I'm pretty sure he doesn't have four comorbidities <laughs> attached to him, right? We, we've got to put things into perspective, Randy. I mean, this sure. is what they're doing to us uh, in terms of the way they report these numbers to us. Only now... Funny enough, after two years, we're starting to get a breakdown of, you know, how many. Co so if, if 75 percent has four comorbidities, how many think how many think three? What, 90 percent have three? Ninety five percent had three. The point is, one death is way too much and it's a tragedy. And we can get into a whole other discussion of why those people died at the beginning uh, when there possibly could have been treatment. You think Joe Rogan gets his medical advice from like something he researches? Don't you think he has the resources to speak to, you know, doctors? Like he said on his podcast, I could afford people medicine, motherfucker, when he was talking about Don Lemon. This guy just doesn't start popping shit in his mouth, right? Like for no reason. He's obviously spoken to people too. So if Aaron Rodgers is calling Joe Rogan saying, you know, how did you hear about this and that? So what? But They're I mean, trying so, something okay, different. Uh, yeah, right? so what, because Maybe doctors I, should have done that. Maybe doctors should have done that from the beginning. We might have saved more lives, right? I, what do we know, right? What? And you said you went on Google and you put up this doctor and it said what? Spreads misinformation. Who do you think put that information there? It was Google, right? Google is the one that said this doctor spreads misinformation. So you're going to Google and Google is your source. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
Uh, no, no, no. I, I completely 100% get that. Absolutely. Because, I, okay, and uh, for the record, I wasn't going to take uh, a lot of solace in uh, what the, the girl was saying in the first place. I mean, she's saying that she's so versed in the polio vaccine. Something tells me, but I don't know what the polio vaccine is. I know that uh, uh, the three of us had it when we were babies because we were forced to. That was, uh, you know, something that we were. Uh, well, it's a hell yeah. of a lot more important than the COVID vaccine. Yeah. That's what it is, right? Well, I mean, OK, but, <laughs> but the fact of the matter of is, is that nobody, nobody, nobody has polio, Some, you know, right? So, I mean. Uh, and it's something that's been around for more than three months, right? So. OK, that's so the point. But I. I no, sure. I, I think uh, I think where I am uh, losing uh, uh, losing this, uh, especially when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, why is he talking to Joe Rogan? Why doesn't he go to the uh, the actual uh, uh, source itself? I mean, you know, for me to say now, OK, let's say that you get your uh, Tony, you get your information from uh, uh, the Joe Rogan podcast, who gets his information from uh uh, medical professionals but then i say that i get my medical in information from tony and tony something tells me that that the information could get mistranslated that there could be uh a lot of uh people who are saying why don't you just talk to the doctors themselves especially when you're a guy like aaron Rodgers, who has the access to speak to said people all over again like uh, you know to uh to anybody who he and wants, you don't think right? he does well, then why didn't he say you it? You just said it yourself. He has he, he has access it? to all these people. You don't think sure. he does? But he said that he's not maybe Joe he doesn't Rogan. want Hey, perhaps he doesn't want to use that doctor's name because the doctor probably said, Hey, don't use my name because if I'm pushing Ivermectin or if I'm pushing uh uh Monoclonal Monoclonal antibody, sorry, I could I, uh, I could lose my about. freaking <laughs> license. They're gonna come, they're gonna come after me, right? So, you don't know what I'm talking about. These are treatments that, but this is, but this is the world we live in now. Oh, wait right? a minute. So this okay. is the world we live in now. Not every doctor's voice is being heard. Okay. That's just but, where we but, are now. And Randy. I appreciate it's, it's not, it's not conspiracy theory. It's facts. Like it's, it's out there. You see it. There are a lot of doctors who get, who have been censored. I mean, look around, man. It's happening all the time. I work at a hospital. Okay, sure. So but it, I mean, uh, and again, know, if you're saying we're, we're going that, we're going down the rabbit hole. No, absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, I I think that, and I know but, that you're using it as an example. But if Joe Rogan is using uh, medical information from doctors who don't want their name to be published, then uh, that just loses even more credibility, right? So, uh, you know, How in so? the end, in what? the end, I think that uh, all of us are going to take a look back and. Uh, see uh, what kind of mistakes were made, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, with regards to uh, what's taking, uh, what's taking place right now, uh, you know, uh, comparing Canada to the U.S., uh, the uh, U.S. Uh, is still allowing full capacity to their uh, NBA and uh, NHL uh, uh, venues, and uh, in Canada, it's, uh, uh, it's played behind closed doors. Uh, uh, ben, uh, love to uh, get your thoughts on this one. Uh, me personally, uh, since October, I've actually gone to two uh, sporting events in the U.S. Uh, one was in San Antonio. I went to a Spurs game uh, where they did not check uh, for vaccination status. And then I went to an avalanche game in Denver and they did. 
uh, ask for uh, a vaccine uh, vaccination card. Um, but, you know, with regards to having fans in the stands uh, versus not, uh, which country do you think is doing it right? Uh, with, you know, and I, I don't want to go too deep into the whole vaccination stuff and all that, but if, if you're an event that's, that's looking at only fully vaccinated individuals, we've seen how the virus affects those individuals who are vaccinated. And I had it over Christmas and it was nothing more than being achy for two days and a sore throat, right? Didn't get me that badly. Didn't have to go to the ICU, anything like that. Uh, same with my dad, same with my girlfriend. I went to a Bills game in uh, December just before they closed down uh, or made the testing requirement for trips of, you know, any duration. And uh, <laughs> it was nice. It felt normal again. I can say that much. So I'm in the boat where you can if, if you're doing the fully vaccinated, I don't see the issue with having full capacity, even even without the, you know, know if they're not vaccinated it's it's their choice right it's it's that person's choice they chose not to get vaccinated so i mean if they get it you know and it hurts them more than then that's you know they chose to make that choice but uh i'm in the boat now where where you can't you know there's always going to be a new variant or, or something new and you know, just seems like this this lockdown nonsense is just never ending, right? So, uh, I'm in the boat that that you just go back to the fans in in the stadium, and you know, I think what the U.S. is doing is okay. Australia, you know, yeah, you know we're obviously a little more strict about it throughout the entirety of this two year period. Um, you know, so maybe it's a bit new for them going back to what is you know, quote unquote, a new normal. But <laughs> yeah. I'm 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 all for fans in in the stadiums wherever it is. You know, Tony, uh, I think it's safe to say that the three of us uh, have been uh, affected in one way or another. Uh, not knowing 100% sure uh, if Ben had tickets to the Canada U.S. Uh, qualifier in I Hamilton. Do. I, I do. Uh, I'm yep. not oh, surprised gosh. at all. I'm actually. Uh, I at, do have uh, a few. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you're not seeing uh, this. Uh, uh, podcast over a video. I am wearing an Alfonso Davies Canada jersey, but uh, uh, you know, personally, I had tickets to uh, a Bulls game uh, in December. Would have been great to see Demar Derozan. Would have been great to see Norman Powell because I had uh, tickets to a Trailblazers game. And obviously, uh, these uh, lockdowns uh, affect you a lot more personally. You work uh, at Scotiabank Arena, and. Uh, uh, I'm assuming that you haven't uh, been to work uh, because, uh, you know, there's no fans in the. Uh, Actually, I have. Oh, you have. Oh, OK, great. Well, uh, that I, is uh, that is um, good to hear. Yeah, we, uh, Ben, actually, uh, before you uh, needed a, before you continue, mm -hmm. Tony, oh, sorry, uh, Ben, actually, uh, sorry, Tony actually worked Ben in the uh, NHL bubble uh, when it was okay. at uh, 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 Scotiabank. And uh, mm -hmm. as mentioned, Tony worked at uh, works at the arena. And uh, did get a chance to work uh, inside the Toronto bubble. Uh, sorry to interrupt, Tony. Uh, please continue. No, no, no worries. Yeah, they actually need a couple of people. Uh, we we still feed the teams and the media and staff. Whatever staff is there, we we're in charge of feeding them and whatever. So they still need us. Thank God, you know. But I, yeah, it's it's tough. I feel we were getting so excited up to the point where we're locked down again. There's so many other people. So many of my colleagues were just 
so excited to be back and working and they just felt alive again. And I'm not even exaggerating and just so deflating. Mm -hmm. Right. And I I agree with uh, Ben. It's like the messaging is so weird when you're forcing people to get vaccinated and pushing it and coercing them in some cases like myself, where I, I, I took it so I can keep my jobs. And yet you're just, shutting down areas that only require vaccinated people. It's just, if, if you want to get the unvaccinated on board somehow, even like, and cause it, look, in my opinion, it's been over a year now, those who have chosen not to be vaccinated are not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can get some of them to get vaccinated, you're not going to with this messaging. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, that's the craziest part of it. Right. Like if this is about getting people vaccinated, which it, it is for one reason or another, but that's another show, um, you know, it's just the messaging is nuts to me. It's crazy. It's like, what are you trying to do? Does it work or doesn't, doesn't it work? Because if it works, you shouldn't be shutting down. That's I mean, it. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, uh, there's uh, so many, uh, so many questions. Uh, and like I said, I mean, uh, we're going to be uh, looking back at this uh, 20 years from now and uh, uh, wonder uh, how right or wrong we were. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but uh, because, uh, it looks like Omicron is a uh, weaker strain than Delta, for example, whatever that's worth. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it would be uh, we will be talking about the uh, World Cup qualifier, especially in Hamilton in moments. But uh, let's take it over to the beautiful game, guys. And uh, Toronto FC is making a huge splash, uh, signing uh, Italian national Lorenzo Insigne. Uh, he uh, spent the majority, he spent his career in Napoli. He said that he didn't want to play for another Serie A team uh, uh, other than uh, his hometown of Napoli. Uh He's finding himself uh, to the Reds. Uh, ben, uh, how the hell did this happen? <laughs> how the hell did it happen? Good question. Um, it's it's crazy. Uh, you know, it, it sounds like the, the talks and negotiations have, have been going on for, for quite some time. And um, it's it's smart business by Toronto FC and I mean any other MLS club that chooses to go this route to look at those guys who um, you know Insignia by no means at the end of his career but guys who have been around for a good bit you know going into their 30s um, who have deals coming uh, expiring at the end of season right it's, it's a good bit of business by Toronto FC to go after that Um how it came to be i mean i think money that's that's the real thing right you see the dollar figure that he's gonna be making per year in toronto compared to what other some of the other teams in europe were offering him whether i saw tottenham was interested obviously napoli was looking to resign him a couple other clubs here and there atletico madrid apparently was the team that tfc beat out uh yeah i think i think it really just came down to the money right and you know we saw with sebastian javinko here for a good bit of time that uh, the lifestyle, you know, is, is obviously a good one for, for guys that come over uh, of that stature. Well, uh, and I, I do wonder, so, I mean, as you mentioned uh, money, you don't think that he could have had uh, that kind of uh, contract, whether it be in the uh, premiership or Bundesliga. 
Ben, I'm sorry. Uh, Who are you asking? Sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ben. Sorry. Um, I, I mean, the, the money from what sounds like would have been a little less, but I mean, I don't think significantly less. Um, Apparently it's uh, 11 year, 11 mil yeah. for five years. 11, I think it comes out to, I, I'm not sure if that's 11 and a half US or Canadian or 11 and a half uh, euros. I think it was the euros. I think it's euros. But uh, I, I believe with add-ons to the, the way it's structured, it, it's like 15 Canadian a year. Yeah. With, yeah. Including it's the add-ons. Crazy. I think, I think whatever. the closest number that, and then the number Atletico offered, I think, was about eight and a half euros, something like that, along those lines. Yeah, that's why, you to know. answer your question, Randy, no, I don't think there was another club in Europe. I, I don't think they're in, they're in the market for paying that kind of money to, you know, guys over 30, unless their names are, you know, Messi or Ronaldo, who brings back, I mean, they're capable of bringing back uh, so much money in, in sales and marketing and, and stuff, so... No, I, I really think Toronto FC just outbid the shit out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, Tony, I you think of the uh, the signings that MLS uh, had over the years, and, you know, let's go through the list. I mean, with uh, Beckham, Henri, Robbie Keane, uh, Wayne Rooney, Lampart, uh, Kaká, uh, you know, uh, Ibrahimovic, uh, you could say that. Uh, hey, Drogba, yeah. please, please don't forget yeah. Drogba. <laughs> Absolutely, because you'll say Montreal Twitter will go insane if you don't say Drogba. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I was actually in Montreal, Ben. I don't know. Uh, maybe you were there as well uh, when uh, Drogba played TFC. It was the last regular season game of the yeah. fifteen season, and uh, Toronto was up one nil. Yeah. And- the Were first year, first year Toronto made the playoffs. I wasn't at the game, unfortunately. I watched. Uh, I was watching that one on TV. I just moved into my university. I guess you know about a yeah, month yeah, before. Yeah, sure. Well, but, you know, uh, yes, he he torched us in that one, and then torched us in the playoff game the next week later. That's right. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I remember, uh, yeah. assuming, I remember uh, it all too vividly. I'm assuming Ben. You've been, <laughs> I'm assuming you've been to Saputo. Uh. I haven't seen a match there, but I have oh, seen the stadium. Haven't. All the times I've seen, all the times I've seen Toronto in Montreal, it's been uh, the Big O. You know, for two uh, season seats. Oh, really? You've been? <laughs> How was that like? Uh, you, wait a minute. You weren't at the playoff game where they? Uh, I was up the, uh... where they messed up the wow. lines. I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a disaster. That was a disaster. Me and oh me and the God. buddies, the buddies I went with, we're we're, you know, you know Montreal traffic it can get pretty brutal we, were, we stayed the night at my buddy's place who we went to queens and kingston and then probably didn't give ourselves enough time to get down uh we got in i guess what shortly before what would have been actual kickoff but then it got delayed a good what 25 minutes yeah something like that because they messed up the lines and and yeah so we ended up getting in comfortably in time but <laughs> oh man what a disaster that was but uh, yeah, uh, you know, for two guys who are season seed holders, uh, Toronto FC season seed holders, I love a TFC game in Montreal. It is just a beauty. Like the uh, the stadium is uh, really nice and intimate, it. and yeah, hundred percent. Like uh, you know, the uh, the pitch is really nice, and it's right by the uh, the metro, uh, mm-hmm. right by Olympic Stadium, mm-hmm. and right beside uh, it. Yeah. yeah, 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 and 
you know, uh, uh, well, getting back to Drogba there, the uh, the match that I went to that regular season game, and he was just uh, he was a fixture. It's too bad that things didn't work out for him because honestly, like he could have really made a name uh, and really helped the what was then the impact uh, elevate its profile in that city. But uh, you know, getting back to the Insignia signing, uh, Tony, I mean, where does the signing of Insigne? Uh, rank in MLS history in your mind? Oh, boy, that's a good question. Um, but he, he's obviously not the biggest name to sign here, but when you look at age, you know, 30 years old is, you know, he'll be 31 by the time he gets here. So he has some years left to play high level uh, soccer. Um, it, it's got to rank up there for sure, because just the sheer money that was given to him alone, not to mention that he's a fixture on the national team. And um, he was the captain of one of the top four teams in city out for, for a long time. Uh, you know, like I said, not the biggest name because there are bigger names, but at, at moment in career, I think it's a huge sign for MLS. Well, you know, when uh, Javinko signed with TFC, he uh, believed that he signed uh, his death wish uh, uh, with regards to playing for the Italian national side. And uh, a lot of people are saying that that's not going to be the case with uh, Insigne. Uh, Do you have any potential idea why that might be the case? Why do you think uh, Insigne uh, would probably still find himself on the uh, if Italy makes the World Cup, but uh, Euro, which is only going to be, what, the following year? Well, no, it would be in 24, excuse me. But uh... Seba wasn't a fixture on the national team necessarily, right? It, it, Insignia has a spot on the national team. I think, I think that's the difference, right? It, that, that's, it's not going to affect him because they're just, they were in two totally different places. Seba was looking for a place to play regularly and he got this great offer in Toronto and came over and it worked out beautifully for him, but they weren't the same stature um, at the time. You know, when Toronto FC was getting Javanko over here, I mean, some people didn't even know who Javanko was, right? If, if, unless you're following soccer closely, but you know, most people, everybody knows who this guy is because we're used to seeing him on the national team, right? And he scored that great goal against Belgium. And, um, you know, if you're a regular watcher of City, like I am, you, you appreciate the guy's play and see how good he is. I, I just think they're just two different uh, players, two different stories. You know, I understand what Sebu was saying. And I don't, I, I don't think it was – I don't think he meant malice or against MLS or anything like that by saying it. Um, but I, I think he should have been aware, too, that, you know, I, I wasn't as favored to be on the national team necessarily all the time as Lorenzo Insigne is. Yeah. And uh, the reality is, is that when uh, Javinko came to MLS, he did win MVP and obviously uh, one was a uh, main, uh, main reason why uh, TFC won the MLS cup in 2017. Uh, You know, um, I I guess uh, the final question is, is that when you think of somebody like Insigne signing with uh, Toronto FC, uh, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, the uh, pessimistic or, uh, you know, worry ward Toronto fan uh, that immediately thought of Jermaine Defoe 
when uh, this signing uh, took place. Uh, you know, is it unfair to compare one to the other uh, that uh, Defoe, he was supposed to lead us to the promised land. And obviously that was just an outright disaster. Ben, uh, what do you think? I mean, in the end, I mean, do you think Insigne is going to really take TFC to uh, the next level? Uh, I think I think he will. Uh, um, now, I don't think it's completely unfair to compare it to Defoe. Um, I mean, obviously, two huge names. Um, I think I'd say, you know, Defoe in a bit different of, of a spot in his career. Um, Tottenham was kind of starting to grow and, and he wasn't in there. I couldn't, I don't think Tottenham really saw him in his plans for too much longer. Uh, Insigne with Napoli right now, though, he's, you know, I don't watch too, too much Serie A, but correct me if I'm wrong. He captains them pretty well every week. If, if I'm not mistaken, um, and, and he just came off you know, appearing in every match, but one at the Euro cup for a team that won the Euro cup had two goals there. Uh, you know, so I, I would say different spots in their career, but in terms of, of, you know, the name and, and where they're coming from, uh, I think it is fair to, to compare them in that sense. But, uh, I do think Insigne can take them to the next level. Um, you know, he's, still you know i'd say in his prime of his career even at the age of 30 right and he's you know i'm excited to see what he can do in the mls i think he'll light it up personally um but yeah it's it's crazy it's crazy i mean uh, tony do you think that uh if insignia does uh run the full uh term of his contract do you think that not winning an MVP, let alone MLS Cup, would be uh, a failure with this signing? Uh, a failure in terms of, of course, it's a failure because you you make these decisions because you want to win, right? And Bill Manning is going absolutely apeshit this offseason, and he's not <laughs> done yet. I assure you of that. Um, as, I'm, I'm seeing on Twitter that as recently as today, yeah, the Salsado mm-hmm. thing is, mm-hmm. is pretty much almost done. So they're getting they're strengthening the, the 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 center back, which is you know the first thing I said when they when they signed Lorenzo Insigne is okay, okay, now you got more work to do because we have a back line that's weak that you have to fix, and um, it, it's only going to be as successful as the moves you make to surround him, right? Um, I'm excited about the prospect of. Uh, a healthy and rejuvenated Pozuelo playing behind these guys, playing, having these guys setting them up uh, and whoever the hell else he's going to bring. If Seba comes back on a, on a short term, although he he's pretty much written that off. Um, I think he would have come on like a gam gam contract. That's what I'm thinking. Something like that. Um, The rumor is the Bellotti thing is off, uh, is off. Um, But Bill Manning took a shot at Lorenzo Insigne by going on some website called transfermarket.com. And he just, he went through a list of all the upcoming players out of contract. And he's like, and that's how he recognized Insigne. But yeah, it would be a failure if they don't win for sure. But 
um, it's still a success that you're able to attract someone like that over here, right? And in terms of Jermaine Defoe, I don't think Jermaine was, Defoe was prepared for the culture here. I think it, a lot of things took him. I remember reading articles on how even things like having the media in the locker room and having to answer questions after every game was it the North American style. It's not as Europe. It's mm. not really conducive to European style. That stuff threw him off a lot. He wasn't ever prepared for that. The travel was something that he really was like six hour flight to play a game uh, kind of was mind boggling to him mm-hmm. as well. So it's, it's, you know, he wasn't prepared for that stuff. I mean, he was certainly, he was playing. I mean, when he wasn't injured, he was producing. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like he wasn't, you got to give him credit. I mean, he, sure. he came here to score goals. He scored goals. He just, he couldn't stay healthy and he just never got used to the culture here. Whereas, you know, Sebo will tell you that Toronto's his home now. He has a home here full time year round. This is, you know, he loves it here. It's a nice place for, for him to, to raise his family He's not, you know, being mauled at supermarkets wherever he goes and he lives in obscurity. And maybe that's something Lorenzo Insigne is looking for, too. Um, there are people who know him well who are reporting that, you know, he, he basically wakes up, goes to work, trains, goes home to his family. There's nothing else that he does. I mean, it's it's soccer and family. So maybe a place like this is conducive to him. And that's why he'll be successful successful here i mean we're just speculating but um you're always going to make that comparison you're always going to be like oh i hope it works out because we saw it work out the way it did with seba and we're just praying that we can get you know a fraction of that right you know because seba was just he was balls Mm -hmm. out he was all in but yeah don't underestimate if if we get a healthy and and rejuvenated pozuelo too i think I think he's going to have a really good year if he's gotten over some of his issues over the past year. Well, and also the fact that uh, TFC has a new uh, uh, coach and Bob Bradley, a three-time MLS coach of the year. Uh, he won gold cup in 2007. So, I mean, you know, they're going to be led by uh, a guy who definitely has uh, a lot of uh, credibility, especially in North America. And uh, speaking of which guys, Hey, uh, the CONCACAF, uh, uh, a session of the World Cup qualifying will take place in a couple of weeks. Uh, Canada is going to start in Honduras on the 27th. Uh, they will be playing El Salvador on February 2nd, but sandwiched in the middle is uh, uh, their uh, big match against the United States in Hamilton outdoors in Tim Hortons Field, January 30th. Um, you know, Ben, uh, this is a, uh, well, we have never seen a uh, World Cup qualification uh, 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 like uh, as uh, Canada has uh, done uh, incredibly well. They're third in the table. Of course, the top three teams uh, automatically qualify. First in the table. Uh, I'm sorry, first in the table. Sorry, the yeah. top three teams yeah. uh, make it uh, to uh, Cotter. Um, is it hard? not to get ahead of ourselves. I mean, sorry, is it hard to get ahead of ourselves in the fact that, uh, you know, a lot of fans, whether they are diehards or uh, just new to the party are thinking that it's going to be inevitable, but I mean, there's still some soccer to play, right? Yeah. So I think it's hard to not get ahead of ourselves based on, you know, how successful they have been here so far. Um, 
I'm I'm certainly trying to keep myself in check a little bit every time I, I see a clip, a video clip or a picture that I took at one of the other previous matches or anything like that. But, you know, as somebody who's been watching this, the Canadian men's national team program since, you know, since I've been a little kid, which, you know, hasn't been as long as as many. But, you know, I've, I've seen my fair share of doom. Uh, you know, I do want to keep myself in check because I still know we need to go to the likes of Costa Rica. We need to go to Honduras. We need to go to El Salvador, all these places where CONCACAF shithousery is at its finest, right? So uh, definitely hard to not look look ahead and, uh, you know, get ahead of ourselves. But with that being said, I don't think we've ever seen Canada, you know, as successful as they have been in, in world cup qualifying, like they are right now, even when they, the one time they did qualify, they weren't, you know, I don't think they went their first, what eight matches unbeaten. So, you know, pretty, uh, it is impressive stuff, but I do think we still can't get too far ahead of ourselves because we've got some tricky fixtures uh, in the not too distant future. And I was wondering if you are uh, familiar with, uh, uh, the three uh, opponents that Canada is facing. Is there a player in your mind, whether it is uh, the Costa Ricans, El Salvador, or USA, uh, that uh, can be a problem uh, for the Canadians? Not so much individual, but I mean, like, which uh, of the three do you think would be uh, the toughest of the matches? Uh, definitely the U.S., Definitely the U.S. I mean, just on paper, their quality of the team, obviously their uh, run of success in CONCACAF, basically making it every year to every year, every World Cup that there is other than, you know, 2014, obviously, or sorry, 2018, 2018 when, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, 2018 things went awry for them in qualifying. But you look at their roster, you look at the names on their pl- of, you know, guys that they have on their team and, and that they're deploying every match for world cup qualifying the Pulisic's, the desks, the McKenney's uh, you know, there's no question that they're probably the most talented team in CONCACAF I'd say above Mexico. Um, but with that being said, we've seen uh, how they've matched up against the U S the last couple of years. And, you know, it. uh, they can certainly do it, especially being at home. Now, climate-wise, is is going to be not as hard for the U.S. to adjust to, uh, unlike Edmonton for two teams like Costa Rica and Mexico. Uh, but it'll it'll certainly be a spectacle. Well, and, and that was one thing that I uh, really don't know if I uh, can understand, and the fact that they did choose Hamilton for this match. Uh, you know, apparently I, I'm a guessing that yeah. uh, uh, Hamilton's uh, pitch is a lot more. Uh, um... So sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, it, it really came down to Edmonton and, and Hamilton it, for a few different reasons. One was um, a, a lot of people were calling for the game to be in Vancouver. Originally, I thought it was going to be put in Vancouver, but they just had their turf redone. And, and by the time it's finished and, and the that match is supposed to be played, I think there was only going to be like a week between the turf being finished and that match being played. Obviously, for guys like this at this caliber, you need more time than just a week to make sure that turf is in good working order and all of that noise. 
Um, and then the other with Toronto was, it, I believe it was MLSCs. Like we don't want matches being played in January on the grass after TFC and the Argos had a deep run into December in the CFL. Right. So that's, you know, the, the, the natural grass in Toronto needs time to heal up uh, for that. And in, in that climate, it's, it's never going to be good for the grass. Um, so then it, it, it really came down to Herdman again. Um, and it sounded like the big thing was travel, uh, looking at where the U S is playing. They wanted to try and, and make them travel as far as possible for this match. And I think now you could correct me. I might be wrong, but I think they're playing in Seattle or Portland for the match before. Um, so I think they wanted to try and make them travel as far as possible for this one. So that brought us to Hamilton, right. And you know, I think Herdman obviously makes this decisions informed with the guys. And, you know, I imagine they're okay playing on the turf to, to have this go through. Yeah. I just want to take a look uh, quickly as I'm scrolling to see the uh, schedule here. And uh, anybody know where lower.com field is? I guess it's one Google search away, but uh, it seems that, uh, well, but I mean, it might be, it might be disinformation. Uh, Columbus. <laughs> it's in <laughs> Columbus. Okay. So, so, yes, I was wrong there. Well, I mean, uh, if uh, travel was the issue, and you know, it's funny because I, I definitely, uh, you're more versed in uh, 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 soccer than uh, a guy like myself, but you know, I, I for one didn't hear about the, uh, the pitch in uh, Vancouver. But if I had to choose between a couple of extra hours in the air versus, a climate controlled facility like BC place, I definitely would have thought that BC place would have been uh, a lot more advantageous for the national side. Tony, I, you know, I was, uh, I was getting ready to play, uh, to go to Vancouver uh, just for that match. And uh, the wife uh, was, As was I. yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the wife was interested to go and uh, I mean, obviously this was a pre lockdown, but, uh, and there's no chance that she was going to go to Hamilton, uh, you know, in the end of January, but, you know, I hadn't had a chance to look at the, uh, the, the game, the game stats of Canada, Mexico, but I mean, it, I did not seem like, it didn't seem to me that Canada uh, was a lock to win that match. The second half, it seemed to me that Mexico did put on the pressure. It took an incredible save by Borean uh, to uh, avoid a draw in that match. Um, uh, scaling it back a little bit, I thought Vancouver a no- was a no-brainer. Now, with the pitch being what it is, and uh, dare I say it, instead of Hamilton and 24,000 fans, whatever the restrictions are, why not have it in Montreal? You know, uh, you, you have, uh, yeah, sure. The pitch is, uh, apparently it's concrete, but, and, uh, hopefully they know how to, uh, draw an 18 yard box, but uh, you, uh, think that with 60,000 fans in Montreal, you get more revenue for the, uh, for the national program. Uh, and that seemed to be like a no brainer. Well, you also have, if it's snowing, the roof might cave in again. Yeah. So that's one problem with the Olympic Stadium. No, um, apparently, you know that's what, a thing, though. Vancouver, apparently, that's a thing. Like uh, It is. No, it is. It 100% is. What do you, like, I that, don't understand this. Like, I don't problem, know if. But you know what? It's it's tough enough having these players play on, you know, the 
the upgraded field turf they use now to ask them to play on, as you eloquently called it, uh, concrete would be tough. Um, the Vancouver thing, even if the pitch wasn't being fixed, um, I'm wondering if they would have had them travel that far. The players, you know, the European base players, I'm assuming they would have preferred to play in Hamilton somewhere East just to cut down and travel for, you know, you've got to think about the players too in situations like this, what they want. And I'm sure the, the teams like a Bayern Munich might have some say in it. I'm not saying they have total say in it, but I'm just saying they might, you know, I'm, I'm sure that you've got to cater to these players, which is something probably that hasn't happened in uh, Canada soccer ever. Right. As you know, cause you didn't have these types of players to cater for now. Now you've got to, you got to take care of them, right? This is, this might be a better option for them when you're traveling from France, traveling from Germany, Portugal, where some of our key guys are coming over from. So maybe yeah. that's it. I'm just guessing. I have and no then, idea. That could be one of it. And then another one cool. you mentioned guys rather being in, in more central in, in Canada, such as Hamilton. You look at the time difference from, say, Germany to Vancouver, it's nine hours, right? Mm -hmm. You know, five hours still isn't pretty for these guys, but I think it's probably easier to get used to five hours than than nine hours, right? You know, to an eight, uh, an eight fits. So it's five, five, eleven in Vancouver right now, and it's two eleven a.m. in in Germany. So. Mm You know, that's definitely a factor. And I must, I need to ask, have you guys seen matches in, in, at the big O in Montreal? No. Baseball or or soccer? No. no. I had a chance. uh, (laughs) I had a chance to go to, uh, well, both. Uh, Well, I, uh, years ago, uh, the Jays and the Expos were playing and, uh, some buddies went and I wasn't able to make it. Uh, Tony, if you remember Mark Hendrickson, the pitcher, he, uh, hit a home run at Mm -hmm. the big O at that game. Uh, and, uh, you know, it would have been, uh, aside, apparently the big O, uh, is as decrepit as it looks on TV. And, uh, it's, it's, it is, it, Mark Hendricks. <laughs> I don't even, yeah, he was my he, favorite Jays picture right? growing he, up. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was, yeah, he was like, six like Randy Johnson. Yeah. Johnson yeah he was like Randy mm. Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. He was. Right. yeah. Cracked a oh, home run. That, and, yeah. uh, actually my friends were, uh, right by the uh, first baseline. And Orlando Hudson tracked down a, a foul ball. And uh, he, uh, one of my buddies was like, Orlando, we drove seven hours just to see you. And he was like, what's going on, fellas? How you doing? And everything. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, he was such a showman there. But uh, uh, this is the O-Dog. The O-Dog. That's right. But uh, I don't the original know. O-Dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, that that stadium there is. I know, I know we don't want to turn this into just ripping on the big O, but my <laughs> God, it is just awful. The one end it of the out- stadium <laughs> is just a big concrete slab. And they oh, yeah. somehow managed to get like a, a makeshift scoreboard on there. Like it is brutal. There is no cell service in that joint. None. Cause it's just cement everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Everywhere. <laughs> it is so bad in the winter. That playoff game when they played Montreal there, there was signs everywhere saying "Watch out for falling ice." <laughs> like it is You're outrageous. Kidding. It's outrageous. <laughs> well, I mean, it was outdated in 1976, <laughs> yeah. so it, it didn't have a chance. 
Yeah. Um, the national team, though, um, I'll, I'll say this. I'll throw my two cents worth in. I'm going to take John Herdman's attitude, and I'm going to say I expect this to be in the World Cup. I'm going to take the attitude of our coach because that is what has uh, driven this team to where they are right now. Mm-hmm. There's no reason. There is no reason why they can't finish in the top three. Um, and, and I'm confident they'll do it. But I do agree with Ben that the tough ones are the Panamas, the Hondurases, the Costa Rica. Yeah, Playing in the, those matter. teams, those teams might not be as tough as the States exactly. of Mexico. Mm-hmm. But those environments, like when they're going to be in their hotel rooms and at four o'clock in the oh morning, fireworks God. are going to be blasting off. You know, those are the environments that they have to overcome. And I think past Canadian teams were mentally defeated before they even stepped foot into those stadiums. Um, I think it's different, though. I think the Absolutely. attitude of their coach is totally spilled into the whole group. Um, I remember his post game after the game in Azteca. And he was pissed that they drew. Like he was like, this should have been three points. Mm-hmm. We should have won this game, you know. And w- when your coach is saying that, you, you know, you're, you're going to take that attitude on. So I expect them to make the World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. It would be a huge surprise if they uh, didn't make the World Cup. Again, the uh, top three teams uh, make it to Cotter and the fourth team do play in a uh, playoff. Uh, Canada with with Oceania, may I add. So yeah, I already so I already like our chances against whoever comes out of that division. Say we had to play in that, you know, I like that's right. On paper, I like us against whoever is coming out of that uh, that continent. Mm-hmm. Could it be the first time since uh, 1986 that the uh, Canadians will make the Men's World Cup? Only time will tell. So, uh, guys. Uh, it's been such a great chat. Uh, I do want to uh, end things off uh, the way that uh, things usually end off in this podcast. And that is a rapid fire segment that I like to call big deal, no big deal. Uh, you two know the drill. Uh, I'm going to pose a question to you and you're going to tell me uh, your thoughts. So uh, the NHL has officially confirmed that they are not going to the uh, Beijing Olympics. Uh I don't know about you guys, but I thought that the uh, participation uh, that the men's tournament uh, in the Sochi Olympics was somewhat anticlimactic. I mean, Canada dominated. The uh, time zone was what it was. And it really didn't. uh, It wasn't the same as Nagano or uh, Vancouver, even though Canada did win gold. Um, Ben, we'll uh, start to you. The fact that... uh, the NHL is not going to uh, these Olympics. Is that a big deal or no big deal? I'm going to say no big deal just because we've had an Olympics now where where they didn't participate, right? So I guess we kind of know what the product's going to be like. Uh, however, don't get me wrong. It is very disappointing. You know, I think any hockey fan could tell you they like to see the NHL players at the Olympics. Uh, whether it's Canada, whether it's the U.S., whether it's Sweden, Russia, you know, a best on best tournament's always uh, very entertaining. But just because we've we've seen an Olympics without the NHLers, I'm going to go with no big deal. No, Tony, I'm uh, sure that you remember what uh, Olympic hockey was like uh, before the NHL participated in Nagano, whether it was Lim- Lillehammer or even uh, home in Calgary. Uh, and uh, yeah, sure, maybe it is a little bit more alluring when you have 
Brodeur and Gretzky and Lemieux on your team rather than Sean Burke and Peter Nedved. But, uh, you know, Pyeongchang was what it was. And uh, the Olympic tournament, although uh, Canada didn't win gold, uh, I thought that the uh, hockey was uh, engaging enough. I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that the NHL doesn't have an international tournament. Well, uh, in uh, North America, at least uh, the World Cup uh, hadn't uh, taken place in six years. The time before that was in 2004. Uh the lack of a World Cup and the lack of consistency of a World Cup, I think that's the difference maker. If there was a consistent World Cup of hockey, then I'm of the opinion that players wouldn't be so enamored with the Olympics, potentially throwing away the rest of their NHL season and uh, possibility of winning a Stanley Cup. What do you think? I think there's something to that. I, I... I do agree. Although, you know, Olympic gold medal is, is an Olympic gold medal, but I I see what you're saying. Um, And I agree with you. They've botched the world cup of hockey thing. You can't have it every, you know, 10 years or 16 years or 13 years. It's just the prestige of it is not there. Right. And the last time they had it, they had, you know, gimmick teams, although it, it turned out to be a fun tournament. Um, I feel bad for the players. I mean, I feel bad for the Conor McDavid's who, you know, are going to miss out on that opportunity and who knows what the CBA will look like in four years from now, or, you know, are they going to go back? Um, you always feel bad for the players. You can tell that they're not happy about it, but at the same time, it's like, what if I test positive and I'm going to spend, you know, 28 days in a welded shut room in China. I can do that in Canada. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, it's so, uh, sorry, go ahead. So, I want to finish off. No, I'm, I honestly, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. I'm actually relieved they're not going because it has enabled um, the league to postpone all these Canada based games. And so they have those dates in February to make them up and hopefully there'll be fans watching the games again. And I, I could be working regularly. So Selfishly, I'm okay with uh, no Olympics. Yeah, kind of hard to believe that uh, Connor McDavid hasn't represented Canada uh, as no. a professional hockey player, and uh, I guess Team North Matthews America. Adam, yeah, Team North America. Pretty, uh, pretty uh, fun yeah. squad, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, Tony uh, Becky Hammond, she is uh, made uh, quite a lot of headway in terms of uh, women uh, coaching. Uh, Uh, men's leagues she's been an assistant coach for the san antonio spurs for a number of years she has agreed to become the head coach of the las vegas aces of the wnba Uh, a lot of people thought that she was going to eventually get a gig uh, in the nba Uh, she decided to take uh, a position with the aces um is that a big deal or no big deal becky hammond going to the aces no big deal uh, to me because I don't care for the NBA um, or WNBA or NBA for that matter. Um, but, you know, it's funny. She's been attached as being an interviewee to so many NBA jobs. I mean, and she never got one. Um, and so I think she is where she rightfully belongs, I guess. I mean, I don't want to sound like a dick, but um, I couldn't see an NBA team hiring her anyway, but good for her, right? Like she's, she spent a lot of years under uh, Greg Popovich. So hopefully she's picked up uh, 
I'm, I'm assuming she's picked up a lot of good things from him. Uh, sense of humor, sarcasm as well mm. attached to it. But uh, I, no big deal to me. You know, uh, Ben, I, I don't know how uh, much of a fan you are of uh, basketball, but uh, it seemed to me that she, uh, obviously she learned from uh, one of, if not the very best in Popovich. Uh, you know, women do have a, a role in uh, basketball, whether it be referee, uh, refereeing or play by play. I thought it was a matter of time that she was going to get an NBA spot. I, I don't know. I, I think of Paul Maurice when I think of Becky Hammond. Here's a guy who uh, uh, had a, a stint or two in uh, at the NHL, went to the KHL, and then found himself back in Winnipeg. Uh, you think that uh, we'll see Becky Hammond back in the NBA as a head coach? Yeah, I, I as a head coach, I sure hope so. Um it, back in the NBA, for I'd say for sure, yes. Um, you know, you, you spend that much time under Greg Popovich, you're obviously doing something right, and you're going to pick up a hell of a lot. Um, so, I mean, if, if we're saying big deal, no big deal, her going to the Aces, I'm going to say no big deal just because I thought she was going to be able to get something in the NBA. Um, I'd, I'd like to see her be able to make the jump to the NBA as a head coach. It would be, it'd be tremendous. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, the way I see it, if you're, you're under Popovich that long, one of the best NBA coaches of all time, um, not going to say the best, but one of, uh, you, you know, you're, I think you're more than qualified to, to be able to move on to, to bigger things in that same league in the NBA. Well, finally, guys, and uh, sticking with the NBA, I'm not sure if you saw this one instance with uh, Nick's power forward, Julius Randle, but uh, he's been uh, in a bit of a cold spell lately. Uh, he had a good game uh, once, uh, like a week or two ago. And as the fans mocked, uh, or uh, as the fans were starting to cheer, and they, if there was uh, mocking involved in terms of their sarcastic cheering, Randle directed a thumbs down uh, to Nick fans. And uh, it was uh, in light of uh, his frustration with their uh, criticism of him. Uh, you know, the whole back and forth of Julius Randle and Nick fans. Uh, ben, we'll start with you. Uh, is that a big deal or no big deal? <laughs> I'm going to go with no big deal as well. We saw this a few years ago with the Mets, obviously. Um, or was it this past summer? Might have been as recently as this past summer. Anyway, um, you know, we saw them mocking the thumbs down to Mets fans whenever they get on base or, or whatnot. I'm going to say no big deal. I think, you know, as much as, as fans get on players, I think small little things like this, players giving it back to fans, I don't have an issue with. And I don't think it should be an issue. Um, and, you know, it just kind of goes to show those three uh, the three mark sports markets uh, of New York, Boston, Philadelphia, right? Like Philadelphia fans, the only ones to boo a plane that successfully lands in the Philadelphia airport. Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it, it just goes to show how much those, those bases can, can kind of get on you if, if you're, if you're not performing up to their standard, but uh, I, I, no big deal. I, I think this is, this is pretty funny. I like all of it. 
You know, Tony, uh, I'm uh, especially these days with social media, I mean, athletes and people of uh, public prominence, uh, you know, they're just targets for such criticism. And, uh, you know, I personally think if that if you dish it out, you should be able to take it as well. And yeah, sure. Three guys like us are paying good money to see these players uh, play. And uh, a lot of people are saying that, uh, you know, you should uh, not go back at the fans who uh, chirp at you. Uh, where do you stand on this matter? Um, it's a fight you're never going to win, especially in New York, right? I, I, would this be as big a story if it wasn't happening at Madison Square Garden? I don't know. Uh, but it's a fight you're never going to win. We saw it here in Toronto when they tried the, uh, you know, the fan gate thing when the oh, Phil Kessel, yes. Dion was Pino, salute gate, right? Wasn't salute that? salute gate? Yeah, we saw that here. It it just you're never going to win that. Um, what I notice these days, Randy, and it's I think athletes today are just much more thin skinned than the athletes we were used to growing up with in the past. Like I, I think of a guy like Michael Jordan who. I, he just didn't care. Right. Like he, he would turn around and just make a little gesture like this, or, or he's this tall, the guy that's blocking me, but I got him. I find athletes these days just to be a little too thin skinned for my liking. Um, but again, this is not a big deal. I don't mind players having some fun to a certain extent. I don't even know why they made this such a story. Like I said, I think it's, I think if this was happening in, uh, you know, in, in Indiana, and it was Sabonis doing it, would it be as big of a deal? Yeah, no, I, I mean, uh, you could probably yeah. think that it's uh, that much more enhanced because it was Madison Square Garden, it was the Knicks. Uh, you know, uh, to uh, your comment about Michael Jordan, I don't think Michael Jordan really put himself out there with fans. That, uh, you know, he obviously played, uh, didn't play uh, in a social media. Uh, you know, he uh, wasn't vocal no, when but it came to political positions. Um, but social media had nothing to do with social media had nothing to do with that moment when fans are booing him in that he's not on instagram when it's happening Um, right so i'm sure they they all hear it i mean russell westbrook has breakdowns all the time with fans um he has a tough time handling fans as well like you could tell now if, if you're saying certain things you shouldn't be saying we've talked about this before um there are lines that that you shouldn't cross but I don't know. Uh, thumbs down. Is it that big no, of a deal? It, it, it's just it's just a fight you're never going to win. Every athlete should yeah. know that. That's one of the things you should be trained. No matter what they say to you, they are the fans. Um, you you need to take things to a certain extent. I mean, if they're telling you to you know go screw your sister or something like that, all bets are <laughs> off. Obviously, but but yeah. you know what you, you know, know what? and uh, uh, Ben. Oh, sorry, uh, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no problem. No, go ahead. I was yeah, just no, gonna no, say, but, like something, oh, sorry, as, ahead, ben, something as simple as something as simple as the thumbs down. Like, what? I don't see the issue. It's not like he's going into the crowd confronting a guy or anything like yeah. that. He's giving them, giving the fans the thumb down. I, I, there's no issue with that. I don't see any problem with the. Well, you know what? And it just reminded me uh, going into the crowd, like you said, Ben, I mean, uh, the Boston Bruins, they went into the crowd that one time. I think it was in Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't the garden, it was in Philly. Uh, Terry O'Reilly. Do you remember that, Tony? It was like in the early to mid. Yeah, I think it was Mike Milbury was hitting a 
Mike Milbury was hitting a fan with his with his shoe? own shoe. With his own shoe, yeah. yeah. He 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 ripped off he ripped off the fan's shoe and just started hitting him with him or something like that. Yeah, yeah. but you know what? The good I, old days. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, uh, when like I I don't know if it's comparable one to the other, but when you see when I saw Rory McIlroy in the uh, Ryder Cup, uh, you know Europe was uh, in the United States and. Uh, uh, McElroy was just uh, giving it to uh, American fans uh, after he uh, drained a really, really long putt. And then Patrick Reed came back and he halved the hole, I believe. Uh, and, uh, you know, he gave the Dikembe Mutombo figure wag. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. and uh, before that, though, like the fans, uh, they were getting on Rory's case and Rory got criticized because uh, he was, uh, you know, uh, going to that level with fans. I thought it was gold. I thought it was perfect. I thought that, you know, it was because of yeah. that. I had that much more respect for McElroy. Yeah. Those tournaments bring out real emotions in golfers. That's you know, I don't watch a lot of golf, but those international tournaments, the Ryder cup and the, what's the other one? The president's cup. President's, president's cup. That's yeah. the, the world. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you, you see real emotion out of those players. And that's fun. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with pumping up, doing this. Yeah, bring it on. I think healthy chirping is fun too between fans and players. If you have willing participants and you got to be creative, of course, um, sticking your thumb down at the crowd is yeah, big deal. Kinda, yeah. It, it, you know, it, it becomes a big deal when Stephen A. Smith, Jalen Rose, and pick, you know, Kendrick Perkins, they're spending the whole day on ESPN talking about it. It becomes a big deal then, right? Sure. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, and, whatever. Uh, Shut yeah. <laughs> well, guys, uh, that being said, uh, you know, this was a real treat. It was the first time that the three of us got together uh, in this dynamic. Uh, ben, I just really want to thank you so much uh, for, uh, you know, uh, the fact that we uh, met through uh, – uh, your podcast and uh, the people you've interviewed and uh, you know really enjoy uh, your company and I uh, really hope that uh, you join us again Tony you're beautiful as always really appreciate you both. love Thanks you so hey <laughs> Ben we'll see you at Beano. absolutely can't wait guys all right take they care they are uh, Ben McClellan and Tony and Tony you I'm Randy Coure this is a what's up the sports podcast hope you're doing well thank you so much for joining us and we will talk to you next time Thank you.